Uh, dear Father in heaven, Father, thank you so much for, for this weekend. There's a lot of preparation that's gone on in this weekend. Thank you for the, uh, the students at Jefferson Academy who, who sang and the people that work with these students. Thank you for everybody that's had a part in making this weekend possible, uh, preparing food and, and the broadcasting and, and so many details that have gone on behind the scenes. And thank you that it's here. It's now here. We are here. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we prayed and now the computer works and the technology works. Thank you for this. And we just pray for, for your blessing. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be here. Dear God, we can't, uh, I can't do this on my own. And we can't be blessed just by trying to create a blessing. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to enter this, this, uh, this room where we are and to help us to understand this subject. And because of technology, uh, there are many probably that are watching online right now, the live stream, and who knows where these messages will go. And we just pray that you will uh, help this to be a ripple effect that goes out around the world. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, the theme of this weekend, as you know, is go light your world. And so I want to tie in prophecy to light, to shedding and spreading the light. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 19. You see the verse also on the screen. Peter wrote this. He said, we have also a more sure word of what? Of prophecy. That's right. A more sure word of prophecy. Uh, I've been a Christian for just about 43 years. And for 43 years, I've not only been reading the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, learning more about Jesus, but I've also been studying prophecy. And I've been deeply impressed that, that prophecy is sure. It's something solid. It's more sure even than the ground that we walk on. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, and I've been in many earthquakes. I'm curious, how many of you have ever, ever been in an earthquake? Okay, most of you have. Yeah, there's a lot of earthquakes that hit California. We're right... Where, at least where I lived, uh, near the San Andreas Fault. And I remember uh, 1971, there was a big earthquake in Los Angeles. 1970, or 1994, there was the Northridge earthquake. I felt I was in the area when, when that earthquake hit. Uh, it was a big one. And earthquakes are, are happening around the world. And there's going to be more earthquakes in the days ahead. You know, and it's very, it's scary when the earthquakes and the, the ground that you're walking on begins to, to shake. So even, even our, our earth isn't sure. There's nothing that's sure in this world that's human or that's earthly. But God has given us something sure, something we can rely on, something that we can depend on, that we can build our lives on. And it's his word. And this verse tells us that a part of that word is the sure word of prophecy. Prophecy are uh, predictions of things that are coming, things that have happened in the past, things that are happening now, and things that are going to be happening in the days ahead. And I'm a firm believer in the sure word of prophecy. And that's what we're going to be studying about this weekend when we talk about 666, because this is all part of part of prophecy. And then Peter continues and says, where to you do well, you do well that you take heed. In other words, it is a good thing for you. You are doing good. It's good for you. If you will listen and take heed to the sure word of prophecy, right? It's good for us. Just like exercise is good for us. Drinking water is good for us. You know, eating healthy food is good for us. So it is good for us to take heed to the sure word of prophecy. 
And then it says, as to a light. Prophecy is a light that shines in a dark place. And where is the dark place? It's, it's this earth. It's right here. Have you noticed? This world is a dark place. Uh, somebody said that in a vision, she was taken up into heaven. And she saw the new Jerusalem. And she saw Jesus. And she had a, you know, an encounter with the Lord. And then when she came back down to this world, she said, it's so dark down here. I have seen a better land. I've seen a better land. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, prophecy is a light that shines in a dark place. And the theme of this, uh, this whole e event is called Go Light Your World. And one of the ways that we can light the world is by sharing the word of God, sharing Jesus Christ, and that includes sharing the sure word of prophecy, which is a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn, which is the big day, the great day, the glorious day. And then it says, and the day star, some Bibles say the morning star, arise in your hearts. Jesus Christ is called the morning star. In, in Revelation chapter 22, he said, I am the bright and the morning star. So when you look at this verse, it's really telling us that the sure word of prophecy shines a light in a dark place, and that light is to shine in our hearts, and that is going to lead to the day star, to the morning star, to Jesus Christ rising up in our hearts. So prophecy is really centered in Christ. Some people say, well, we don't need to study prophecy, let's just study about Jesus. But... Prophecy points us to Jesus, Amen. right? That's what it says. And I, I believe that, you know, books like this one, the 666 book and other, other good literature, that as we share these things with other people, we are lighting our world. We are sharing the sure word of prophecy that is a light in this dark world. So with that introduction, let's go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. Revelation 13, 18, and I'm curious, how many of you have ever really thought significantly and done some homework uh, on the number 666? Let me see some hands here. Just a few, not too many. That's okay. That's all right. Looks like a lot of room for more people to learn, right? I tell you, this is a powerful subject. And I'll show you that, and I'll prove that to you by just showing you one verse. Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. This is the last verse in chapter 13, which is a mighty chapter. It's about a, a beast that rises from the sea, and then a beast that rises from the earth, and then both beasts working together to enforce the mark of the beast, that's what this whole chapter is about. And when you get to the very end, you have the last verse in verse 18 that says, here is, and what's that next word? Wisdom. wisdom. Right. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding, let him count, some Bibles say calculate, the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is, now the King James says 603 score, which a score is 20, so three score is 60. 660 and 6, what you see on the screen here is from the New King James, and it simply says his number is 666. Now, I tell you, there's a lot of information packed into that verse. Wouldn't you agree? There's a lot in there. There's a lot of speculation about the number 666. When uh, Apple Computer first released its first computer, guess what the price was? $666.00. 
and 66 cents. And so people looked at that and they thought, this must be a sign that computers are bad. Should stay away from computers. I've got an Apple computer right here. I like Apple computers. So, uh, you know, different ideas. Some people think 666 is somehow embedded in the social security system or in a barcode. Uh, when I was a little boy, before I became a Christian, I saw a movie called The Omen. Anybody ever heard of that movie? It's about this uh, little boy who is the Antichrist. And his parents, as this little boy is growing up, his parents had a suspicion that their little boy was, was bad. He was the Antichrist. So one night when the little boy was in bed, his dad crept into his bedroom with a, a pair of scissors. And he snipped, snipped, snipped while he was sleeping some uh, of the hair off of his head. And then he looked down onto his scalp and he saw six, six, six right on his son's head. And wow, he was pretty freaked out about that, as you can imagine. So, you know, a lot of, that's what Hollywood thinks about uh, 666. Uh, many of you know Doug Batchelor. He's a friend of mine. My wife and I were married in Doug's church. Then we moved to Texas. And uh, anyway, Doug tells a story about he, one time he was in a, a Walmart or somewhere, and he went through the uh, checkout line buying some food, and as the amount of his purchase came up on the cash register, the number was $6.66. And the lady looked at that, and her eyes got big. And Doug looked at her and said, do you know what that means? And she said, with big eyes, she said, no, I don't. But I know it's bad. I know it's bad. And I think that's probably the way most people think about 666, right? They've heard of the number. Maybe they've seen it on a subway wall or on the back of a rock and roll album. Or, you know, they've heard different ideas. Uh, they don't really know what it means, but they know it's bad. Is it possible for us to crack the code? For us to understand what this is talking about? This mystery? Uh, it was probably about a month ago, my family, we were in, in the living room of our house, me, my wife, Seth, and Abby, and right around the corner from our living room is our laundry room, and up against the wall is a, uh, is a rack where we put our wood. We bring, I bring it in from the outside, and the kids help me, and we stack the wood, and then when the fire needs it, I just walk around the corner uh, and load the fireplace. And so we were in our living room, about a month ago, and all of a sudden we heard this munching sound. And we, we figured out it was coming from the wood pile on the, on the rack. And this was very mysterious to us. So our first thought was maybe it's a mouse. Every once in a while, mice get into our house, even though we have three cats. You know, figure that out. So, uh, so we thought maybe it's a mouse. And so uh, it, was, uh, it was night by that time, and I got my flashlight, and Abby came in with me into the, into the uh, laundry room, and we, we started looking in between the cracks, you know, of the wood that had been piled up, thinking maybe we'd see the mouse, and we didn't, so we kept on, and then we started taking the wood off, just piece by piece, you know, looking for the mouse. And, and finally, all the wood was off, and there was no mouse. We, did, we couldn't figure it out. So we stacked the wood back up. We went back into the living room. And about 15 minutes later, guess what we heard? We heard this shh, shh, this munching sound. And so we were really, we couldn't believe this. So uh, I, I went back in there. And it was, I could hear it coming from one, one of the blocks of wood. And I put my ear to one of these, block, one of these uh, sections of wood, and I could hear the munching inside the wood. So I thought, well, this can't be a mouse. There's no way. You can't get in there. So I took the, the wood outside, through the back door, over into my wood barn, have a big uh, round of wood there where, where I put other wood on, and I split it when I need to split it. And so um, 
I'm, I'm going to find out what's in there. And so I split that wood, and you'll never believe what I found. Maybe some of you already know. I found a big, fat, ugly a worm with big jaws, huge jaws. And we figured out that these worms are called grubs. They're grubs, and certain beetles lay their, their larvae in the wood, and then they, they hatch, and they become these big worms with big jaws. So that's what it was. So finally, because I split the wood, I was able to crack the mystery and find out what was making that sound. And I'm using that just as a little illustration. I hope you like it. Because what we're going to do is we're going to split this verse. We're going to split it up. We're going to look at it from all sides. And we are going to crack this code. And we're going to find out this weekend what the mystery is of the number 666. And that's what this is about. Decoding the mystery. Now, uh, what I'm about to do with you is very, very important. I feel deeply convicted about this. Uh, I'm going to put on the screen here a list of 10 biblical facts, and we're going to see it right from the Bible, about this number 666. And I'm convinced that once we look at all 10 of them, that you're going to know as we study this, you're going to know exactly what this is, what 666 is all about. Uh, how many of you have ever heard the expression, the power is in the list? You ever heard that? It's kind of a common phrase these days among people that do uh, internet marketing, you know, or people that are developing businesses or sometimes ministries. They know that if you can, get, if you can develop a list of, of enough email addresses or enough contact in, uh, people, then you communicate with your list, and then that's how you grow your business or your ministry. Uh, Whitehorse Media, we have, we have an e-newsletter that goes out to a lot of people, and our, our list is growing, and it's helping our ministry grow. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that, because of the, the crowning act being watched over a million times by people, our YouTube channel is growing. Uh, our subscriber base is growing. So maybe here's just a little commercial. If you haven't joined Whitehorse Media's list, you can go onto our website, whitehorsemedia.com, and there'll be a green button you can click, and you can join our free e-newsletter list. And you can be on our list, and, and hopefully our list is a, a blessing to you, uh, helping people know what's going on in the world. So anyway, my point is that people say there is power in the list. Got my point? Power's in the list. And I thought of that illustration as I'm about to put these 10 points up here because I'm convinced there's power in this list. That when you really see these points, it's going to help you to avoid all kinds of speculation. It's going to help you to, under, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, and to help you to understand this topic, and even more so, uh, as my book is, the subtitle of my book is called What It Means to Me, to me What It Means to You. It's going to have practical uh, implications for your life, for what you do every day. And we're going to get to that as we go along. So are you ready for the power of the list? Because, you know, there's, there are currents, even within our own church, that are taking people this direction, that direction, another direction, and we need to have this, these facts down. And as we go through this, I think you're going to see the power of this. So uh, point number one, first biblical fact about 666 is that this is a Bible topic. And I can't stress that enough. It's in the Word of God. It's in the book of Revelation. And that makes it part of the sure word of prophecy. Because we've already read that we have a sure word, right? Sure word of prophecy. 
And Rev the book of Revelation is the greatest book on prophecy that's ever been written. It's the greatest book. Did you know that the Bible is the world's all-time best-selling book? Of all the books that have ever been written, published, sold, translated, there's no book that even begins to compare uh, in popularity, in translations, and in sales more than the Bible. Amen. This is the world's all-time best-selling book, far beyond Harry Potter. No comparison. Uh, and did you know that, the, that the, the single human being who has had more books written about him than any other person that's ever lived is Jesus Christ? Amen. He is the most, by far, he's the most famous human being, the most influential human being who's ever lived. The largest religion in the world is not Islam. It's Christianity based on the life of that one man. So we've got the world's all-time best-selling book. We're followers of the world's all-time most significant person. And prophecy is a big part of the Bible. A big part. Prophecies in Daniel, prophecies in Revelation. And the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is by far the most influential book on prophecy ever written. And right in that book is the verse about 666. So that makes it important, wouldn't you say? So that's fact number one of our list. Fact number two is that the context of the verse that we just read in verse 18 and this is very important. The context is the final events of the history of this world. The final crisis, the last crisis. If you look at chapter 13, verse 16, in your Bibles, 13, 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then it says, here is wisdom. And then it goes into the verse we just read about 666. So the context of this verse is the final events when the mark of the beast is finally enforced by law all over the world. Does that sound pretty important to you? Amen. Very important. And it makes sense to me that when the mark comes and people look at this text and we share these verses with others, and we need to know not only what the mark is, but what the name of the beast is. And also what the number of his name is, because they all go right together. The mark, the name, the number, they're right there in the same sequence. See that? You feel the, the weight of that? So that's fact number two. The context is Earth's final events. Fact number three is that God is calling us to have wisdom and understanding about this very subject. Does that sound important to you? The Lord, it's the Lord that says, here is wisdom. Let him that who has understanding, let him calculate the number of the beast. So that's point number three. Point number four is that the text says we have to do some counting or calculation. Now, I'm really not a, 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 math, a mathematician. Math never was my favorite subject in school. I didn't do very well at math. Uh, my wife is a high school 
math teacher. That's what she teaches. She likes math. I never really liked math. I didn't really like hardly any, any uh, subjects in school. And then when I became a Christian, and I read the Bible, and I learned about Jesus, that he's the center of the Bible, that he's my savior, and I gave my life to him. I used to be a, uh, sometimes I say I was a disco dancing, uh, marijuana smoking, cocaine snorting, lost Jew. That's what I was when I was a teenager growing up in, in North Hollywood and Southern California. I got involved in all kinds of bad things, and I'm, I'm so glad that that life is behind me. It's, it's way behind me. It's over f- 43 years behind me, and I have no interest in going back to that life. The Lord has changed my life, and, as, and he changed my life from this book. Through the Holy Spirit, working through this book, to lift up Jesus in my mind, to show me that he loved me, he died for me, he cares for me, he wants to help me, he has a plan for me, and for you, for all of us. And, uh, and he, he changed me, and he's continuing to change me. I'm not done yet. I heard a minister once say, God's not going to take us out of the oven half-baked. He's going to keep baking us and keep working with us until we're done. So we're fully ready. But anyway, um, when I became a Christian and learned all this from the Bible, I just got interested in Scripture. And I, I, I became interested in history because I learned that prophecy and history go together. Have you ever heard the, I don't know if you ever thought of this, but the word history is a combination of his story. History. That's what history is. History is his story. All throughout the ages, from the time that sin entered until the time when sin is gone, that's what history is all about. It's the story of God working in human affairs. And when I learned that part of prophecy, which connects with history, also has to do with a little bit of mathematics, then I got interested in math. Some math, not a huge amount of math, but enough to, to figure this out. And this will, be, this will make sense to you as we go along. But anyway, that's point number four, is that we have to do a little bit of math. We have to do some counting. Or as some Bibles say, how many, how many of your Bibles say count? Let them let count. Count the number. Okay, any of your Bibles say calculate? Anybody? Okay, a few other hands. So... The, the word essentially means the same thing. So keep that in mind, that we have to do some counting and some calculation to arrive at 666. That's an important point. It's part of the list. Remember, the power is in the list. Now, point number five, that the text says, it is the number, let him count the number of who? the number of the beast. So this topic is interwoven with the subject of the beast. You can't understand 666 unless you understand the beast because it is the number of the beast, right? And when, when this verse says it's the number, it is the number of the beast, that beast is the beast that is described in Revelation chapter 13. That's very important. That this verse at the end of chapter 13 is part of a context that has to do with the beast. It's the biblical beast. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but uh, when Barack Obama was president of the United States, he used to be driven around in a sleek, large, black limousine. It was a big car. You know, he had his uh, special secret, secret service men that were with him wherever he went, at least when he was out in public. And so he had this big car, this limo that he was driven around in. 
And, and anybody know what they nicknamed that car? Beast. Right, it was the Beast. So um, now because Barack Obama used to ride around in the Beast, people began to speculate and they said, maybe Barack Obama is the Beast. There's all kinds of crazy ideas that are out there, all kinds of uh, speculation. But that's not true because in order for the, the limousine to be the beast of Revelation 13, it would have to fit every detail of this chapter, right? It's got to line up with all the points that are in this chapter. And if it doesn't line up with all the points that are in Revelation 13, they got the wrong beast. So once we understand this, oh, thank you, Pat. How did you know that I needed water? Thank you very much. So that's point number five. Do you see the power of this? The power's in the list. When you really go through the points, it starts eliminating uh, false ideas, false interpretations. So that's point number five. Point number six is the text also says, it says, count the number of the beast, for it is the number of what? Of a man. So we're looking, for, we're looking for a man that is connected to the beast of Revelation 13 in order for us to understand this prophecy. There is a particular man. It is the number of a man. And then it says, and his number is, and this is point number seven, now, here's a key point. This is pretty critical information I'm about to tell you. Some Bibles, like the New King James Bible, says his number is three sixes in a row. How many of your Bibles say that? Six, six, six. Anybody, any of you see your hands? Okay, quite a few. How many of your Bibles say 600 or three score, 60 and six? How many Bibles? Okay, quite a few. Uh, the, the, actual, the King James says 603 score. A score is 20, so three score would be 60. Now, some other Bibles say 660 and 6. Uh, this is really what the, what the Greek text is. 603 score or 60 and 6. That's what the text says. The text, the Greek, does not say six, six, six. It does not say that. Now, the King James says that, or the New King James says that, but the Greek does not say the number six, and then another number six, and then another number six. So like in the Omen movie where they... You know, the, the father cut the hair of the little boy and he saw three sixes in a row. That's really not what the text says. It's not really in the Bible. The text says 660 and six. Now, this is important because some people, even within a certain circles within our church, even uh, circles that are very high within our church. There, there is a, uh, a theory that the number, that it really says six, 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 three sixes, and that the number six itself is a symbolic number of man and of human rebellion. And they theorize that because God made Adam on what day? Remember the sixth day, and then man fell. So this, the man made on the sixth day became a sinner. That six then represents the fall or imperfection or rebellion in contrast to the number seven, 
seven representing, you know, God's number, and six, 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 three sixes representing triple imperfection. Have you heard that theory before? Anybody? Okay, I see a few heads. Yeah, that is a, that is a theory. But that theory is not correct. It's not right. There's nothing wrong with the number six. Nothing. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, when God made man on the sixth day, he said he saw everything he made. And what was it? It was very good. So you could build a case also if you want to go that direction. That six is a very good number because God said on the sixth day, it's very good. Uh, also in the book of Revelation in chapter 4, there are uh, these four living creatures. They're very unusual. One has the face of a man. One has the face of a, of a calf. You know, there's different faces. And how many wings do they have? They have six wings, right? And they, and they cry, holy, holy, holy to the Lord. And they've all got six wings. So, you know, in, in that case, here you've got these holy beings with six wings. So you can't really build a biblical case that the number six is a bad number. You really can't do that. You have to, you have to launch out into speculation in order to come to that conclusion. Uh, I call that numero babble. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, avoid vain babbling. And when you, when you start speculating that six is a bad number and three sixes in a row is, is a triple bad number, you're getting into numero babble because it's not biblical. It's not scriptural. And besides that, the text doesn't say six, six, six anyway. The text says 600, 6D, and 6. And if you look at the next verse in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, right after 660 and 6, John says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. So at the end of chapter 18, you have 660 and 6. And then in chapter 14, verse 1, you have 140 and 4,000. And to me, that's, that's significant. They're not the same number. They're different numbers, two different numbers. But they show that God spells out the number, right? He has 660 and 6, and then you have 140 and 4,000. So this whole idea that uh, there's three sixes in a row, that people are going to look somewhere, and they're going to find a six, and then another six, and then another six, and that's the number of the beast, that's really not what the text says. The power is in the list. When you look at the text, things start making sense. So that's point number seven. Point number eight is that this name, because it talks about, if you go back to chapter 13, verse 17, it says that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So there's a name. The beast has a name. And that specific name, when you calculate it and count it, it leads you to the number. And the number is 660 and 6. So we've got to find that name. Now, that name is mentioned a number of times in chapter 13. In fact, if you look at verse 1, Revelation 13, verse 1, 
13.1 says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. This is the biblical beast. He had seven heads, he had ten horns, and upon his horns he had ten crowns, and upon his heads, what was there? It says, the name, at least my, my Bible says, the name of blasphemy. How many of your Bibles say, the name of blasphemy? Okay, how many of your Bibles say, uh, a blasphemous name. Okay, some other Bibles. So whether it's the name of blasphemy or whether it's a blasphemous name, that is the name. It's the name of the beast that we read about at the end of chapter 13, the name of the beast that has a number, 666. So point number eight, it, it, is, the, it is the number of the name of the beast, which is a blasphemous name. Okay? That's what verse 1 says. When you compare verse 1 to verse 17 and 18, we have a beast with a name, and that name is a blasphemous name. Are you following me? Here's the list of the points. Okay, point number 9 is a name in the book of Revelation can also be used as a title. This is very important. A name or a title is often synonymous in the book of Revelation. And I can prove that to you if you look at chapter 19. Revelation 19, Jesus comes on a white horse, which is where we got the name White Horse Media. Our ministry is called White Horse Media because Jesus comes on a white horse in Revelation 19, verse 11. And we like that verse. We are followers of the rider on the white horse. That's why we're White Horse Media. And even though I'm the kind of the little director of White Horse Media, Jesus is the big director. The ministry is not really about me. It's about Jesus, the rider of the horse. And in verse uh, 13, it describes him when he comes. He's clothed with a vesture or a robe dipped in blood, and his name, there's a name. See the word name? His name is called the Word of God. Now, Jesus' personal name is Jesus. The angel said, you shall call his name Jesus. But his title is word of God. He's the word of God. But in this verse, name and title are synonymous. He has a name, which is a title, which is the word of God. We see the same thing in verse 16. Verse 16 says, he had on his robe and on his thigh a name written. And the name that is written is king of kings and lord of lords. Now that's a title, isn't it? It's, uh, it's who he is. It's not a personal name like Steve, you know, or Paul, or Lorena, or Pat, or Art. It's not a personal name like that. It's a title. Uh, Pat, your title is for this, uh, for ASI Southwest chapter is you're the president. So that's her title. It's not her name, it's her title. Jesus' name is not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's his title. Got the point? Good. I can see the heads nodding. You're with me. So that's point number nine, that when the Bible talks, in, talks about a name, and we're looking for a specific name of the beast, a blasphemous name, that we calculate out to 660 and 6, uh, it can also be a title of a man. That's what we're looking for. Now, point number 10 Look at chapter 15, verse 2. And this is a really powerful text. Revelation 15, verse 2. John says, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over four things, over the beast, 
and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. There it is. And they stood on the sea of glass and they had the harps of God. See that? So point number 10 is that we need to overcome. We need to overcome the beast, the image, the mark, and the number of his name. Yeah, interesting. So whatever this number is about, and whatever this name is about, it's something that we individually need to conquer, to overcome. That's what the text says, right? That's what the verse says. Now, let me show you one other verse, and then we'll, we'll go on. I, I was told I should be done here by 8.30, so I'm shooting for that. If you look at chapter 19, and this is just part one. We're just laying the foundation here. Uh, chapter 19, verse, verse 20. Actually, we can look at verse 19. 19, 19. When Jesus comes on the horse at the end of time, his second coming, verse 19 says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies. They were gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And this tells us that whoever this beast is, that the beast is alive at the second coming. Right? Because when Jesus comes with the armies of heaven, the beast and the armies of the earth gathered together to make war against Jesus Christ. Do you think they win or you think they lose? They're going to lose. That's right. And this tells us that the beast is going to be alive uh, at the second coming. I actually could have made that another point, couldn't I have? It's part of my list. The power's in the list. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this or not, but here's a couple candidates for the beast and for the number 666. Uh, Ronald Reagan. People wondered whether he was the beast, and the reason is because Ronald has how many letters? Six. And then Wilson has how many letters? Six. And then Reagan has how many letters? Six. So people go, aha, it's Reagan. He's the 666, uh, he's the man. Now Nero, now a lot of people just laugh at that, but when it comes to Nero, if you go online and search, in, search out you know, different ideas on 666, there's a lot of websites that really believe that Nero he was the 666 man. And they believe this for different reasons. And there are certain ways you can spell out his name. And if you do the, the math with Roman numeral values, uh, it comes out sometimes to uh, 666. So people think, well, maybe, maybe he's it, the 666 man. But you know enough right now because you've, you've seen the list, Right? We've been through the 10 points, so now you know that none of, neither one of these people can, can be the real 6'6 six, six man. That's not possible, because in order for a candidate to be legitimate, he has to fit all 10 points. Uh, we've already read that the beast is alive at the second coming. So that right there shatters the idea that either one of these are the beast of, of the prophecy because Reagan and especially Nero, they're both dead. They've been gone for a long time. And the Bible says that the beast with the name and the number is alive at the second coming. See that? So the, these, these two men, uh, they, they just, they can't, be, they can't be right. Now, let me just, uh, in the time that I've got, I want to go through this quickly. Let's just take a quick look at some of the facts about the beast. 
the real beast. Go back to chapter 13. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 2, tells us that the biblical beast, verse 2 says, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear. His mouth was as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So here's the real beast, the biblical beast. And you see that this beast is sort of a combination creature. You won't see a beast like this at the Fort Worth Zoo. How many of you have been to the Fort Worth Zoo? <laughs> we were there many times when my kids were, uh, or when I, when, I, when I used to live here, and my kids have been there since they were born. But you won't find a beast like that. This is a symbolic beast. It's a, a symbol. It's a combination beast. It's got a body like a leopard, feet like a bear, mouth like a lion, and then there's the dragon who gives him his power and his seat and great authority. See that? That's what the Bible says about the beast. Uh, in verse 5, it says that he has a big mouth. He has a mouth speaking great things. In verse 7, it says that he makes war. This is a persecuting beast. It was given him to make war with the saints and to prevail against them. And then in verse 7, it says that power would be given him over how many people? Over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. So this beast is going to have worldwide authority. Did Ronald Reagan ever have that kind of authority? No, he did not. And then it says in verse 8, notice verse 8. Verse 8 tells us that at some point, all who dwell upon the earth shall worship this beast whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain from the foundation of the world. That's an amazing verse. Now, did all the people that live upon the earth worship Ronald Reagan? No. It doesn't fit. And yet the Bible says that at some point, the whole world is going to worship and follow this beast. Now, this tells us, it says, it, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's very important. And that shows us that, we, that Revelation 13 really is not just about the beast. It's also about the Lamb, right? And eventually, everybody is going to be on the side of one or the other. Everybody's going to be on the side of the beast, which is what the majority of the world are going to do. The majority is going to worship the beast because their names are not in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that, that implies that those whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, they don't want to worship the beast, right? Who do they worship? They worship Jesus. So eventually, everybody's going to either worship the beast or worship the lamb. See that? And I want to be in the lamb's book of life. If you're a real follower of Jesus, your name is in his book. And it's the book of life. Which means you will live forever. Because your name is in the book of life. I tell you, life, you know, is more important, especially as you get older. You realize how important life is. Life is precious. And eternal life is given to those who follow Jesus. Now, some people believe that, you know, we really shouldn't talk about the beast. We should talk about only about Jesus. Well, I thought about that, and I've, I've read Revelation 13, and to me it's pretty interesting. I counted it just the other day, that the beast is mentioned 15 times in Revelation 13. And the lamb is mentioned once in verse 8. Now, that doesn't mean that the beast is you know, more important than the lamb. All you need is just one verse. <laughs> one verse about Jesus points us in the right direction. But it also tells us that this topic is very, very important to God. 
Jesus inspired the book of Revelation. Amen. Jesus did that. And he wants us to understand this subject. Don't you agree? Amen. He wants us to understand this topic. Now, here's another point. And that is the only way to understand Revelation 13 is to go back to Daniel 7. Because Revelation 13 is linked to Daniel 7. They both talk about the same things. And I'm just going to go through this quick. Uh, in Revelation or in Daniel 7, it talks about four beasts, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a dragon, which is what we read in Revelation 13, verse 2. Remember, the beast is a combination of a lion, a leopard, and a bear, and then the dragon gives him his power. There's a perfect link. And if you study history, and if you study Daniel 7, uh, Daniel 7, verse 23 says, the fourth beast is the fourth kingdom upon the earth, showing that beasts represent kingdoms. And the four beasts in Daniel 7 represent the kingdom of Babylon, followed by Persia, followed by Greece, followed by the dragon-like power, which was Rome. And most of us have studied this before. Many of us know this. It's very simple history, his story in history. So we've got four beasts. And then the fourth beast, which was the Roman Empire. What empire? The Roman Empire was the fourth beast, the dragon, Satan working through Rome. And that beast has ten horns. And then there's a little horn in Daniel 7, verse 8. A little horn comes up, the eleventh horn, and the little horn has a mouth, a big mouth, that speaks great things. And in verse 21, it says that this little horn makes war with the saints. And when you compare Daniel 7 to Revelation 13, it's very clear that the little horn that has a mouth and makes war on the saints, and the beast who has a big mouth and makes war on the saints, that they're the same thing. They're just different symbols. God uses the symbol, uh-oh, what happened there? What happened there? It's on my side here. I don't know what that was. That's my daughter. <laughs> okay, back to the prophecy. <laughs> Uh, so, the little horn in Daniel 7, the, the horn sits upon the head of what empire? Rome. And then in Revelation 13, the beast gets his seat from who? From the dragon, which represents who? Rome. Right, so in Daniel 7, the, the horn sits upon the head of Rome. And in Revelation 13, the dragon, Rome, gives his power and his seat and his authority to the beast. It's the same prophecy, it's just different symbolism. Different symbolism. And you have to put all these pieces together in order to correctly understand the prophecy. Are you following me? We, the biblical beast of chapter 13 that has the name and the number that comes out to 666 or 666, it is the same power that's described in Revelation chapter 13. Now, I'm getting down near the punchline here. I've only got about 10 minutes. I'm laying a foundation for tomorrow. When you look at all these prophetic details... There is only one organization that fits this prophecy. There's only one. There are not many. There's only one. And I don't believe it's talking about uh, people per se, individuals. There's a lot of good people that are part of this organization. I've given seminars on this many times. Uh, this information is in my book, The 666 Beast Identified. White Horse Media has done a lot of uh, videos about this, uh, that this is talking about a system, an organization, a kingdom, and there's a whole lot of good people today that are part of this organization that don't understand this prophecy. They don't know. And I believe that we should not be embarrassed or ashamed to explain the prophecy according to what it really says. We need to do it. We need to be as kind as we can and let people know that we're not pointing the finger at people because we're all people. But when it comes to prophecy, we have a sure word of prophecy, and prophecy points us in only one direction. Amen. Only one direction. And here it is. It is a fact 
that tonight, sitting upon the seat of the ancient Roman Empire inside the city of Rome, is the headquarters of the Vatican. The Vatican is a little city-state inside the city of Rome, but it has worldwide influence. And it's also a fact that at the head of the global organization of the Roman Catholic Church system, there is a man. Isn't that right? There is one man. And that man has been given a title by the Church of Rome, and he's been given a degree of authority that no other human being has ever been given by a large group of people in, in that same way. He's, he's given a title or a name, a title. Uh, he's called the Pope or the Papa. He has a unique office. He is the head of the church and the state. He's the head of church and state. The Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, is a church and a state. That's why countries, including the United States, have ambassadors to the Vatican because it is a state. It's a church state. He's been given authority like given to no other human being. Governments around the world and media. And tomorrow I'll show you some fascinating slides. They look to him. They listen to him. They report on what he's doing. He has become this man, amazingly, has become the number one spiritual advisor on planet Earth. He has become the uh, number one voice of moral authority more than any other human being anywhere on this planet. And that's, and that's a fact. Now, is it possible that this man has a particular name? a particular title, one particular title, that when you count the number and calculate and do the math of that one particular name, that it actually comes out to 660 and six? Is that possible? Well, that's what we're going to find out tomorrow in part two. Part two, we're going to do that, and I'm going to close with Revelation 13, verse 8 and 9. Because remember, the beast is mentioned 15 times in chapter 13, and the lamb is mentioned once. But that's enough. It's enough for me all I need is the lamb. I need the lamb. And you need the lamb. We all need the lamb. Revelation 13, verse 8 says, All that dwell upon the earth shall worship this beast, all whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain from the foundation of the world, if any man or woman have an ear, let him do what? Let him hear. God wants us to understand this prophecy. He wants us not to be on the side of the beast, but on the side of the lamb. The beast is guilty. The lamb is innocent. He's an innocent savior who gave his life for us. Uh, something kind of funny happened to me on the way here. Last night, my friend Paul, we went to Spokane to stay in a hotel right next to the airport because we had an early flight, six o'clock flight, so we wanted to be right next to the airport instead of driving an hour and a half you know, early in the morning to get there. And uh, last night, I decided to do a few laps in the pool. There's a pool at the hotel we were at by the airport, and I like to swim and get my exercise. So I was in the pool, uh, and this little girl, jumped in. She was probably about seven years old. And I'm doing my laps, 
And I stopped, I kind of stopped and I looked at this little girl and she looked at me and she said, she said, you want a race? <laughs> want a race? And she didn't know me and I didn't know her. And I said, all right, let's race. So we started racing and, uh, you know, I, w I went e easy on her. <laughs> but I just, you know, I was tickled by that. And I thought, I thought, that is just a, you know, it's just innocence. You know, here's an innocent little girl. She wasn't scared of anything. She just looked at me and she said, want to race? And I thought that was just so refreshing. You know, in this world of, uh, you know, people that are, have problems and are mean and all the things of this world, you know, to just see a little glimmer of, of fresh, youthful innocence. And I want to leave you with this before we pray. Jesus is innocent. He's pure. He's kind. He's perfect. He, he loves you. And he was slain from the foundation of the world for the sins of the whole world, including the people that are part of the beast. Jesus died for us all. And the purpose of the prophecy is to help us is to help us to find Jesus, to find the Lamb, so we can be forgiven for our sins and we can recover our lost innocence. God wants us to be innocent children of God in these last days. Not followers of the beast, but followers of the Lamb. And that's what this whole prophecy is about. Here is wisdom, the Lord says. Let him who has understanding, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is 666. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, dear God, Help us this weekend at ASI Southwest with the theme of Go Light Your World. Help us to, to find the light of the world, to find Jesus, the Lamb, slain for all of our sins. So we will make a firm decision that we're going to be on Jesus' side, not on the side of the beast, the image, the mark, or the number of his name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.